Have you ever wondered what it would be like to sit down over coffee and have a personal face-to-face conversation with Jesus? In our eight-week series, Conversations with Jesus, we explore just that. So grab a chair and listen in as Pastor Ray shares with us what that really did look like. I'm Andrew, but you guys can just call me Drew. Some of you guys may know my brother Peter. For those of you who don't, congratulations. You guys are the lucky ones. (laughs) But just be careful because he can be a little short-tempered. Oh, no. Man, he likes the fork. Got it. I used to think mealtime was such a chore. My mom would make me help out with dinner. And after a while, the meals started to get routine. I mean, there's only so much you can do with unleavened bread. (laughs) But then I met Jesus. Peter and I were just throwing our nets out to sea one day when he just walked up to us and asked us to follow him. He said something about being fishers of men. I never really knew that Jesus was this personable. He would sit with us at meals laugh at our jokes, even tell some of his own. (laughs) He had some pretty good ones, too. But he just made sitting at the table different. He would never ask us these adult questions like, how's synagogue or how's the carpenter sheep herding business going? (laughs) He would ask us these deep, insightful questions that would penetrate my soul, really make you think about what he's saying. Like he knew life on this earth was so much more than it all played out to be. And sitting there with him made everything else that much less important. And I guess that's what he was trying to get at. But I never really understood what he meant until one day when I saw him feed 5,000 people with just two fish and five loaves of bread. Now, I'd count all you guys out there just to emphasize how big of a number that is, but I'm not really feeling it right now, so let's just go with a lot of people. (laughs) But from that day on, I never really looked at bread as just bread, because he offered me life. Good morning, Bridges family. My name is Ray Tang. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, Please don't confuse me with the other Chinese-looking pastor, Pastor Ken. So uh, he is is doing ministry in the Philippines and in Hong Kong. But before I uh, begin, I I just want to welcome back uh, some of our brothers who have been doing missions uh, overseas in Vietnam. And so Kim and, and Mark, would you just please stand for just one second? Both these uh, brothers have been doing the work of ministry, training pastors uh, in, in rural areas in Vietnam, and they just got back last night. So uh, I was speaking with uh, Mark's uh, wife, and, and she said, how's Mark doing? And she responded, like, well, he was up like at the crack of dawn, so he couldn't sleep anymore, and he just went on a long bike ride. So Mark and Kim, hopefully you will get some rest and, and recover this week. So welcome back. But before I begin, uh, as Pastor Ron said, today is a very special day. 
because uh, not only do we get to look into God's Word, we get to celebrate uh, women here today, um, specifically mothers. And I would be remiss if I wouldn't uh, take just a couple minutes to do that. Uh, you, you see, uh, mothers and just motherhood took a whole uh, different meaning in the Tang household uh, this year because uh, my wife and I became first-time parents a couple months ago. And so, um, but I, I, was thinking, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, uh, how hard could this be? How hard can fatherhood be? And uh, after a couple weeks, this picture pretty much sums up how I felt. Uh, you see, I was like the walking dead. I was a zombie for many weeks. I still am. And so this is my look constantly, whether I'm excited, whether I've been pooped on, whether I am joyful or crying. Uh, but it's not about me. Uh, it's about the moms here today because uh, we want to celebrate and honor you. Uh, you guys, uh, mothers, grandmothers, uh, single ladies here, you guys pay, uh, make such a sacrifice for us. And two words, thank you, uh, may sometimes not seem enough. Because I see what my wife does uh, for our daughter, and it's incredible. Uh, you sacrifice uh, uh, for us, for, for sons and daughters, uh, grandchildren, grand, grandsons and granddaughters in different ways. Uh, you are, uh, in, in some ways, wearing different hats, probably a thousand different hats, and I believe that God has granted and given each and every woman here just the, the gift of multitasking because you do things that no man can ever do. I, I do one thing where my wife does 10 things in the same amount of time, and it is, it's incredible just to see. Uh, you wear the, the, the hat of professor of mathematics when you're, when you're helping your son or daughter in school. Uh, you, you help them in their Shakespeare and their grammar. Uh, you are, are a sideline cheerleader. You do the things that uh, no one wants to do, and you love, you love us regardless. You make the sacrifices every single day. You shuttle us, you feed us, you constantly take care of us, and you believe in us when no one else would. And so I want to just say thank you. Thank you so much, mothers, here today. Uh, we want to honor you. We as sons and daughters and husbands love you. Happy Mother's Day. But I also know that this day is, is also uh, not filled with just joy, but sometimes it's filled with sorrow. And as Pastor Ron said, we are a family. And for those of you uh, that this day is, is tough uh, because of loss, uh, because you have been separated by a wayward son or a daughter, uh, because you have been trying to become a mother and just can't, uh, we want to mourn with you and we want to walk with you. And so I just want to uh, say a prayer before we begin and, and look into God's Word. And so would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to just come before you and thank you so much uh, just for the gift uh, that you give us in our moms. And Father, what a privilege and what a, a joy that we get to say, thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mom, for loving us. Thank you, Mom, for feeding us. Thank you, Mom, for taking us to all the many different practices so that we could do the things that we want. And sometimes we never get to return that thanks. Uh, it's a job that, for some, often gets trivialized and overlooked. Uh, but this, 
But today, in this moment, we just want to pause and celebrate and honor moms. For those who have suffered loss, um, we want to mourn with you. As the Apostle Paul said, we want to rejoice uh, for those who rejoice, and we want to mourn with those who mourn. And Father, we pause and reflect, and we pray that those ladies out there that are hurting this morning, they would find comfort in you. They would find comfort in your word. They would find comfort in these brothers and sisters that are uh, in this room today. And now, Father, as we look into your word, uh, may you open up our eyes and our ears, soften our hearts that we may be uh, looking at the word fresh, uh, that we would walk away changed, that we would be understanding what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in a conversation uh, called Conversations with Jesus, and we've been in a series in the book of John. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of John, chapter 6. Last week, Pastor Ron talked a little bit about uh, what happens when people don't believe, when people are so infuriated with Jesus that they would pick up stones to throw them at at Jesus. Uh, This morning, we're going to look at a story that doesn't involve stones, but it involves bread. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit hungry uh, after seeing um, Colby do, do this monologue. There's a lot of good bread, and I hope that we can share some later on. So John chapter 6, we're going to be looking at 18 verses this morning, starting in verse 22. And if you don't have a Bible or you don't have your app in front of you, there's one in the seat back in front of you, and we're going to be on page 891. So page 891, John chapter 6. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then he said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And so they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, 
And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all at all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of God. And so this, this passage follows two extraordinary events that happened earlier in this chapter. Jesus had just finished uh, feeding over 5,000 people, and it was a, an awesome miracle and an awesome sign. He then uh, surprises his disciples in the middle of the night uh, while they were out in sea uh, and walks right beside them and just kind of says, hey, I am the one who controls everything. You see, there was a storm earlier that had freaked out the disciples, and they were panicking. And so when they, see, when they saw Jesus, they were truly afraid. But Jesus comes around and says, I am the one who just did the miracle of feeding 5,000 people, and I'm the one who is in control over the storm and the sea. Do you believe in me? And I find myself sometimes being like one of those disciples. I, I truly probably would have the same reaction. I would have been afraid. I wonder what uh, causes people to believe in Jesus and what causes people not to believe in Jesus. You see, the book of John gives plenty of examples of those people who simply just believed when they saw Jesus. And this morning, we see an example that no matter what Jesus does for these people, they simply would not believe. And I believe that in this story, Jesus answers them very matter-of-factly. If you see in, in verse uh, 25, 26, I'm sorry, he says, this is why, uh, why the, the crowds had gone looking for Jesus. They weren't looking for him because he had just done a sign. They said, this is our Savior. They, see, they, they saw Jesus and they said, this is someone who just made me full. I'm hungry again, and I'm going to go look for him. And so when they found him on the other side of the sea in Capernaum, they have this conversation. And it says, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And Jesus points to them and sees what they were uh, after. They weren't after him. They were after what he could do. You see, the reason some of us may not believe is that we want a sign, but we don't want a savior. Many times we, we see this even uh, today, because I, 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 maybe to phrase it another way, um, we, we think of Jesus of, of being able just to give us things. Uh, and I asked myself this week, I says, do I love God or do I love the things that God gives me? And you see, there's, there's two different uh, questions here. Because if I love God, I'm going to follow him regardless of what happens, whether he answers my prayer or whether he, he doesn't whether he gives me something that I'm requesting or whether he doesn't. But there are those that, that seek God only for a sign because they want something. And, and I believe that people look for Jesus for different reasons. See, um, when I was in school, I prayed that prayer that, that I was thinking more that Jesus could offer me something when Jesus already did. He offered me life. See, I would, I would pray in school and I would say, God, 
God, help me pass this test, even though full well I knew that I did not study for it. Or I, I prayed many times, I said, God, would you fill my loneliness and, and, and just bring someone close to me uh, and, and so that I can be in a relationship? But I wasn't really seeking God. I wanted something from him. And see, this is one example of why some people don't believe. Because they're looking for a sign. They're, they're not looking for a savior. See, the sign here in the story was pointing to Jesus. The sign of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 wasn't so that people could get more bread. Wasn't that so that people could get their fill of the loaves. It was to point to Jesus and Jesus alone. There's another reason why maybe some people don't follow Jesus. And it's because they desire the temporary when Jesus is offering the everlasting. See, the people were hungry again and they just wanted to to have their stomachs filled. They were caught up in themselves, not wanting uh, to know who Jesus Christ uh, is, not wanting to know what he had to offer. They just wanted to make sure that they were not hungry again. They had eaten something that was temporary, and they knew that they were going to get hungry again. And so they were looking for Jesus for something more. See, some people look for Jesus because they desire the temporary, but Jesus, while Jesus is offering the everlasting. We can do that this, uh, today. Um, we can do that in the things that we do in our, in our work, uh, in the things that we do in our school, uh, in terms of accumulating, uh, accumulating accolades, accumulating things, possessions. Um, maybe it's, it's buying a car, saving up money to get a car. Or maybe it is it's, uh, clothes, uh, that the, the thing that we're desiring is a temporary thing. Uh, we're, we're forgetting what our focus on, is on. Or maybe it's just moving up to the next ladder in our, in our job so that we can be uh, at a place where we can say, I've made it. See, sometimes people don't follow Jesus because they desire the temporary, what Jesus is offering to everlasting. See, these things are not bad in itself. But when it is our true focus, when it is all that we are thinking about, Jesus says, no, you've missed the mark. You've missed the point of why I'm here. I'm here to offer you life. Because these things will rust, cars will rust, clothes, uh, the moths will eat it. Um, you know, electronics, if we are, are consumed about getting the latest things, they're going to just be outdated in a couple, couple months. And Jesus is saying, look for me. And so it continues. Jesus tells them, then what should we, what should we do, be doing? Jesus, uh, the, the crowds had asked them a question. What should we be doing to be doing the works of God? And Jesus tells them to work for the food uh, that does not perish, but for the food that endures to eternal life. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it doesn't mean first, and then I'm going to tell you what it does mean. So to work for the food that does not perish does not mean that, um, that we should be seeking uh, just bread temporarily. Or to put it another way, to work for the things that, that perish, we shouldn't just be uh, having a job. Um, some, people, some people talk about this verse and say, well, this is the perfect example. God's saying that I shouldn't work at all. I should just be lazy. I should just be uh, picking up a, a check from the government. Or I don't even need to uh, go to school. I have no responsibilities at all. That's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, the scripture doesn't even say that at all. 
In the book of Colossians, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about that when we work, uh, we should do it heartily, and we should do it for the glory of God. God has given us work. God has given us the responsibility of being students uh, so that it would ultimately glorify him. It's not so much that we would accumulate things to lead a comfortable life. Um, we, We have the desire to provide for our family. But the ultimate thing, the ultimate reason why God has given us work is so that we would glorify him. That's the, that's the end goal here. And it says, so what should we do, be doing? What should we be doing to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answers uh, this right here. He says, believe. Believe in him. That's what we need to do, be doing to be doing the works of God. And how does, why would he make this statement? What authority does he have? I love uh, just a, a verse later, God says that he has set his authority, his seal on Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus is not just the mouthpiece for God. He, is, he and he alone has the actual authority and the power to do the things that God has entrusted him to do. He's not only the spokesperson, he is the one who is doing the work of God. And he's saying this, this is the work of God, that you would believe uh, in, in me. Do you, never want, do you want to never go hungry? Here's the secret this morning. Believe, believe, believe. In the book of John, believe is used more than 98 times and it's always used to point to the revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what he is uh, doing on this earth. And he says, this is not, guys, this is not about a set of rules of do's and don'ts. This is not about uh, looking for a sign so that you can get your fill. The sign was to point to me, and here it is. I am here. I am the bread of life. I'm the one who will satisfy your hunger. I'm the one that will fill you up eternally. I'm here to give you life. And I want to be very clear about what our object uh, is. What is the object of our faith? See, when we say that we believe in Jesus Christ, uh, there's a lot of many uh, different ways that people interpret believe. Um, for some, some people say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, but it'll just be one of my many other gods that I, I'll adopt. Or, I believe in Jesus Christ, but my job, my family, takes first precedence. See, to believe um, is taken in, in different forms. In the book of James, uh, the brother of Jesus, he even says, even the demons believe and shudder. So what does it mean when Jesus says we are to believe? When we break down belief in Jesus, I believe it has three parts. The first part is knowledge. The second part is assent or agreement. And the final part of trusting in Jesus, believe in Jesus, is ultimate trust. And so what do I mean by knowledge? That uh, I acknowledge and I uh, know who Jesus Christ is, that he was born of a virgin, that he was both fully God and fully man, that he lived a sinless, perfect life here on this earth, that he paid a ransom for us all by dying on the cross and paying a sin penalty for us so that we could have life and life abundantly. But it doesn't stop there because if the event just stopped at the cross, we wouldn't be here today. It's an amazing story because three days later, as he promised, he rose from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of God right now. 
reigning victoriously. That is the knowledge. And when we say assent, we say, I agree. I fully agree what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, what he did for us on the cross. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I cannot do this life alone. And finally, it is trust. When I place my trust in Jesus Christ, I'm saying there is no other God. There is no other thing that I'm placing my trust in. I'm full and wholeheartedly placing my complete will and volition and self onto him. He is to be control of my life. Now, my daughter Sophia is 11, 11 weeks old, and my daughter believes and trusts in my wife, Hudi. Um, she looks at me sometimes and she's like, yeah, maybe, maybe 50%. But she believes in Hudi. See, she has no problem acknowledging who she is because she understands that Hudit is the source of her food. She knows that when she cries, she knows that when she is uh, playful or she is just fussy, she can just scream to mom and mom will be there right away, looking over her, making googly eyes, acknowledging who she is. See, Sophia believes in, in, uh, in, my, in my wife, Hudit. She plays her whole life, and trust in her. She knows that if she looks, for, uh, looks to and points to anyone else, she's not going to get it. She knows that my wife is in con- complete control of her. She cares and loves her 100%. That is trust. Or maybe put it another way. Um, some of us have seen the movie Titanic, and uh, there's this one scene at the very end, if you, if you know it, is that um, there, Jack and, and uh, his, his lady are, are in the water, and one has to, one basically has to survive, one is, is not going to survive because both can't be on a lifeboat. But there are lifeboats searching for them. See, the purpose of a lifeboat is to rescue and save people who are drowning. Now, Jack could look at a lifeboat coming to him and say, I know that that is a lifeboat. I know what its job is to do, uh, and that is to rescue people. I even agree that's, that's what his job is going to do. It's going to rescue me. But unless he goes into the boat, he's never going to uh, place his trust in that boat. He's going to drown. See, the object of our faith is trust in Jesus Christ. Unless we acknowledge him for who he is, unless we agree that he is the Son of God, and unless we place our full and complete trust in him, uh, that is what it means to believe. And here's the result of what it means. What is the result when we believe? Number one, it says, you're never going to go hungry. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will never thirst or hunger. Can you imagine just sitting down, eating bread, and enjoying it all the time? And just being able to enjoy it and always get your fill. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's good bread, actually. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day to you, Marie. It says one of the results of believing in Jesus is that we will never go hungry. He is our source of, of satisfaction. He is our portion. He is our life. And when we place our trust in him, he says... I got you. You're never going to go hungry. It doesn't mean that he's going to answer every one of our prayers. 
It doesn't mean that he's going to uh, fill the, the requests that, uh, that we have, but he's going to take away that loneliness. He's going to take away that pain. He's going to take away the, the hurt that you're feeling. You will never go hungry. The second result of belief in Jesus Christ is that your treasure is also priceless. Whatever you were doing before is gone. Your treasure is Jesus. He and he alone is going to take care of you. It's better than a home. It's better than money. It's better than worldly pleasures or comfort. It's better than a Michelin star restaurant. And when you have a treasure that is priceless, you're going to do everything you can, everything you can to make sure that you make that uh, known to everyone. It's going to change your world upside down. When you trust in Jesus Christ, it says that you're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. And so you're going to honor God, not only with who you are, but with your possessions. Your treasure now is in him. Your portion is in him. Your satisfaction is in him. And with that, everything changes. You leverage your job. You leverage your home. You leverage your role as a student or your job profession, your, your, um, your identity in the workplace to make him known. And I think one awesome way to even think about our treasure being priceless is how we could put that uh, to use in our own everyday lives. Every one of us probably has a dining table in their home. But we may never think about using food as a way to honor Jesus Christ. And as we think about Breaking Mold, our, our series and our campaign that we've been focusing on all year, I want to challenge you to think about using hospitality as a way to honor Jesus Christ, to invite your neighbors, to invite uh, those that are around you just over for a meal. Because uh, mothers know this. When we are uh, sitting down at a meal table, moms are happy. Moms love being able to sit down it's not so much about the food, but it's what the food causes. When we get together for a meal, it causes conversations. It causes conversations that point to Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if we would just invite some, some of our friends sometime and say, hey, would you like to come over for a meal? We're having just leftovers, but the leftovers uh, that my wife makes, that my mom makes, it's awesome. Because you know your mothers make awesome leftovers. They can take something that is nothing and make it a feast. And says, just come on over for dinner. We're going to share a meal, and we're just going to talk about Jesus. One of the things that we've been trying to do, my wife and I, is to use food as an opportunity to share the gospel. Um, it's an easy thing because our friends don't, uh, don't really feel comfortable coming to church. But when they, said, when, they, when they are given the invitation to come over for a meal, they snap at it. And so maybe use hospitality as an opportunity this week, this month, to say, would you come over and share a meal? So not only are, is our treasure is priceless, our final thing uh, as a result of believing in Jesus is that our future is determined. In verses 37 and 40 here, Jesus outlines what happens, what's going to happen to us and says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me will never, will never be cast out. 
For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing at all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on his Son and believes in him should have eternal life. This is the result of those who believe, those of us who say we believe in Jesus Christ. Our future is determined. See, Jesus is saying that when we die, we go with him. We're going to be with him eternally. We don't have to worry about um, life insurance. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen. We know that when we die, uh, this, is, this, this place that we call home is temporary. We're going to somewhere eternal and everlasting. And Jesus says, this is, this is a sure thing. I'm never going to lose any one of you guys. The, the Father has given me authority. Those of you who say, you believe in me, you have eternal life, and I'll never cast you out. I'll never let you go. What an awesome promise that is this morning as we, as we think about what it means to never go hungry. Do you want to never go hungry? It means to believe in him. Placing your full trust in who Jesus Christ is, what he said on the cross that he would do, and his promise of raising on the third day. You know, some of us are here this morning and, and we've heard this message a thousand times. And it may not have stuck because there's something uh, that's blocking us. Maybe it, it's a relationship. Maybe it is a job. Maybe it's something that we are so preoccupied with that we cannot take our, our eyes off of that thing and turn our eyes toward Jesus. And I want to just encourage and challenge you today that if this is you, Today is the day to trust in Jesus Christ, to trust in his promise of eternal life, to never be hungry, to always be in fellowship with him, and to know with a certainty that when you die, you're going to be with him. I'm going to ask for those, for those that are, are thinking about that. If you are wanting to trust Christ this morning, I'm just going to ask all of us to bow our heads, and I'm just going to say a, a, a simple prayer. And there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's not the prayer that saves us. Uh, it's our complete trust in him that we are giving up our life. Uh, we're turning back from our ways uh, and turning to him. And so would you just bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your son, Jesus, the bread of life. We want to be so thankful for what you do for us. Um, but what, more importantly, what have you already done? You died on the cross so that we could have life. And some of us this morning here are, are hearing this for the very first time and want to respond. And so I just want to lead them uh, in a prayer. And it simply goes like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have not uh, led a life that is pleasing to you, and I ask that you would forgive me. I turn my life over to you, and I turn away from the things that I used to do, and I trust you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you so much for dying on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to audio from Bridges Community Church. If you want to find out more about Bridges and who we are, please check out our website at bridgescc.org.